0: I'm Evan Knappen and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Hey, I'm really excited today because I have a special guest here, a good friend of mine for years and years. His name is Doug Ritter and Doug Ritter is from Knife Rights. And I hope you've all heard of Knife Rights, but if you haven't, Knife Rights is really the premier uh, organization that fights for our knife rights. You know, the Second Amendment is not the right to keep and bear guns. It's the right to keep and bear arms. And the Second Amendment covers knives as well as guns. And I've always had a special love for knives and guns. Matter of fact, I collect both knives and guns and I have to strictly limit myself. It has to cut or shoot for me to like it. And that's how I limit myself. But today we have Doug Ritter. Doug, how are you doing? Evan, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us on.
1: Uh, Knife Rights is proud to be the second front in the defense of our Second Amendment. As you note, the Second Amendment isn't just about firearms. Uh, Knives are an important part of it, both uh, historically and uh, today in modern life.
0: Doug, you know, I I am always just so proud to have helped fight with knife rights, to see our knife rights, our knife liberty, our knife freedoms increase. And I really think that the that one of the important things about knife rights that people really, I don't think, recognize, at least not enough, is the incredible impact that you and knife rights have had in what I have called the knife liberty movement. Because knife rights with you at the head of knife rights have made incredible strides in changing state laws and removing the prejudices and the bias that has existed against knives. When was knife rights founded,
1: Doug? So knife rights was founded in 2006. Um, It took a few years to get our get ourselves going and get our feet under ourselves. Um, in 2009, we got involved in the fight, uh, against U S customs attempt to redefine what a switchblade was, uh, to essentially redefine a switchblade. So it would include both assisted openers and even one hand opening knives. Um, and that led to the fifth exemption of the federal switchblade act. Uh, I'm sure you recall that fight. I do and then, recall,
0: and that was great because this, you know, the the federal gun law on uh, federal knife law on on switchblades. I don't think there'd been any changes to that until that fight, where you were actually able to get an amendment that protected uh, these one hand opening knives. Right? I don't think there was anything that was done. Well,
1: other uh, other than the addition of um,
0: ballistic knives well yeah uh, ballistic, lo- but that would be you you know, i'm talking that, anti <laughs> that's yeah. pro our pro movement yeah
1: so but yeah and then you know in 2010 we started out with our state legislative agenda uh which comprised as you're very familiar with with the effort in new hampshire that you helped lead uh to repeal their ban on switchblades dirk daggers and stilettos And uh, also in 2010, uh, we got the nation's first knife law preemption bill passed in Arizona, uh, which was also when we originally hooked up with Todd Rathner, our director of legislative affairs, uh, who has now been with us um, for 11 years.
0: Now, the uh, New Hampshire effort, which I was a part of and very proud to be, we also got preemption in New Hampshire as well. Uh,
1: 2011.
0: Yeah, yep. the year after, after we you got, got, after Arizona. So great progress was made in Arizona and New Hampshire. And really, I remember when we started that uh, and we're trying, you know, people, we were trying to repeal New Hampshire's ban on Switchblade, Dagger, Dirk, and Stiletto. And that law had been on the books for oh, 50 years or so, uh, and it was really archaic and ridiculous, not only because of the misunderstanding about the importance of uh, these knives, but New Hampshire every year would run this festival called the Highland Games where thousands of individuals would come to New Hampshire for the Scottish Highland Games, and what they all had with them was Scottish Dirks. And yet New Hampshire had a ban on Dirks. I mean, it was just an absurdity even for Dirks, no less Switchblade or the the automatic knife. Can you tell us, Doug, tell us about Switchblade and automatic knife. What, what really is the truth about those types of knives.
1: Well, the the fact of the matter is that uh switchblades as they're commonly referred to in uh in in the law uh automatic knives which is what we refer to them these days um are simply another mechanism for opening a knife. I mean, it doesn't change the nature of the knife. It doesn't make the knife Uh, any more deadly in many respects Uh, they open slower than many other knives and certainly (laughs) nothing can beat the opening speed of a fixed blade Um, so these laws that were commonly passed in the 1950s were irrational when they were passed Uh, they remain irrational today Um, since 2010 we've uh, managed to repeal 16 Uh, switchblade bans um, in 16 states, uh, as well as passing knife law preemption in 12 states,
0: including in West Virginia earlier this year. I mean, stop for one second. Let's think about 16 states since 2010 have repealed essentially their ban on switchblades, right?
1: That's correct. I've, I mean at that this is juncture yeah. 44 states allow possession of a switchblade some with it, you know more restrictions than other and and 33 allow you to carry them with no restrictions
0: you know this is really astounding why we even have a federal switchblade law when 44 states uh have switchblades as lawful I mean, because of six states, there's a national law that has to regulate them. That's absurd, and it needs to go.
1: Well, as, as you know, um, in 2016, we, we introduced uh, the, the, a bill to repeal the Federal Switchblade Act. Um, we, haven't, we haven't gotten that done yet. We'll certainly continue uh, working on that. Um, But it's important to understand that, that, uh, as I know you do, but your readers may not, the Federal Switchblade Act, with a few rare exceptions, has nothing to do with the applicability or the lawfulness of a switchblade uh, in a particular state. That's a state law. The Federal Switchblade Act, uh, for the most part, governs interstate commerce in switchblades. You know, once a switchblade is legally... Within the borders of a state, it's the state law. And and that's one of the reasons we've concentrated on getting rid of those state bans is because uh, the Federal Switchblade Act doesn't impact. It certainly would make life easier um, for the manufacturers and the consumers and everyone else if the Federal Switchblade Act went away. And, you know, Native Americans on reservations where the Federal Switchblade Act uh, prohibits... Uh, switchblades uh, would would certainly be treated fairly um, but until we get rid of the federal switchblade act the key is getting rid of state laws that uh, prohibit switchblades and you know many other knives the laws we have that that ban switchblades buoy knives and daggers and dirks you know those those laws are a remnant of uh the post-civil war effort to keep uh Blacks from having large knives that they could use as weapons. Uh, the switchblade laws were enacted in the 1950s, courtesy of Hollywood's demonization of switchblades in the movies, often uh, with a, a, a racial uh, part of that. Um, these, were, these were bad laws to begin with. They were racist laws to begin with. Um, and we know from our experience in fighting New York City um, that they are still often used, uh, against people of color, uh, as, as an excuse, uh, for locking them up. And so, uh, one of the unique things about knife rights, as I'm sure you are aware, is that most of our bills, uh, are bipartisan. Uh, we get support from both sides of the aisle, uh, which, is pretty unusual these days particularly for a Second Amendment organization.
0: Well that was what we experienced in New Hampshire because the House in New Hampshire was controlled by Democrats, the Senate in New Hampshire was controlled by Democrats, and the governor was a Democrat. Yet when the repeal of New Hampshire's anti-knife laws took place it was not only passed by a completely Democrat-controlled government, but it was passed unanimously. This is amazing because there was not a single vote against the repeal from either side. It was a complete 100% vote for liberty and freedom for knives. And that was in the face of what you would might think would be uh folks that would oppose Second Amendment expansion. But it didn't occur. And that I believe didn't occur because it was great effort on education. We really went and spoke and explained why these laws were no longer needed and necessary. I remember one of the comments at the time was look, you know uh the sharks and the jets they're in their 80s now you don't have to worry about switchblades <laughs> you know it was it was really uh, amazing to see a complete uh, vote for it and remember new hampshire's house of representatives is uh 400 persons it's the third largest legislative body in the world 400 legislators in the house 24 senators and a governor 425 politicians and not a single one opposed the repeal that is really a miracle when it comes to fighting for second amendment rights and Doug you were there and really helped to make that a reality and
2: we're so grateful For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, A bright orange gun law bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Nappen, America's Gun Lawyer.
1: You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Nappen.
2: Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
0: Hey, keep a fellow gun owner from becoming a law-abiding criminal. You know how you can help do that? Listen to Gun Lawyer Radio. Please subscribe. Please rate. Give me five stars, man. I'm begging you. How's that? Now, we really need to get the word out, and it helps to grow it. It's really important, especially dealing with tech these days. They don't like uh, hearing about our rights and Talking about our Second Amendment freedom. So, anything you can do there, I'd really appreciate it. And, Doug, you're back, I hear, uh, working on some bills in Ohio, too, right? Isn't that a, a hot spot we're, at the moment?
1: We're trying to finish off our bill in Ohio. Um, we got it through the Senate in 2019. They have two year sessions um, just last week uh, after. Uh, a couple weeks of lobbying in the Capitol, uh, we were able to get it out of the Criminal Justice Committee, uh, and it's now up for a floor vote, which we hope will take place um, right after Thanksgiving, the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, so if anyone here is uh, living or working or traveling in Ohio, uh, please go to the Knife Rights website at Rights org and uh, click on the, the Ohio action notice link and uh, send an email to the uh, Speaker of the House uh, asking him to please bring the, the bill up for a vote. Um, you know, everything everything just shut down as a result of COVID uh, early last year. Uh, so a lot of our legislative uh, efforts got sidetracked. We're, we're pretty excited that Uh, the Ohio legislature is actually back in session and, and doing something other than COVID. Um, so we're hoping, uh, we'll finish this year out strong. We still have to get it through the house. Uh, and, and then we, we certainly hope that, uh, the governor, Republican governor will, will sign the bill, which, uh, we don't think will be an issue, but, um, you know, every step in a legislative battle, uh, is uh, a significant effort. You never know what's gonna sidetrack it. Uh, Part of our success has been because we've been stubborn, we persevere, we come back year after year. Our effort in Ohio is now in its fifth year. Um, But you just have to stick to it. Uh, The New York battle lasted nine years. Uh, Many, many, many states have taken multiple years. Uh, And we're looking forward to next year's efforts. I mean, we're already working on bills in many states, including going back to Texas for the fifth session. They meet every other year, so basically almost every year that we've been working on the state level. Uh, what needs to Texas be changed in Texas?
0: What, what, what's, a, one of, what's the problem there in Texas?
1: Well, we've gotten rid of all the Texas knife bans um, because Texas isn't nearly as Texas as everyone thinks Texas is. Uh, we've gotten rid of all, nearly all the knife bands. Uh, we, we would have gotten rid of all of them. Uh, but for an unfortunate occurrence where, uh, as, as our bill to repeal their, uh, length restriction for carry, uh, was getting ready to be passed. Uh, unfortunately, a, a young man was murdered, uh, with a hunting knife, uh, just blocks from the Capitol. Um, The hunting knife was illegal. I mean, just as with firearms, just because something is legal doesn't mean miscreants and criminals aren't going to use something illegally. Um, But as a result of that, we ended up with what is known as location-restricted knives. So these are knives over five and a half inches that can't be taken into bars uh, and a number of other places. Um, And we're trying to get rid of, or at least get rid of, most of those restrictions, which would... You know, finish up our job. Um, I don't think many people realize that until we took care of the issue uh,
0: a few years ago, it was illegal to carry a Bowie knife in Texas. A Bowie right? Knife. Isn't that isn't that something that like you would think? And there is that that perception about Texas being a staunch supporter of Second Amendment rights. Yet here we were fighting uh, knife arbitrary knife bands you know yeah, it's, year uh,
1: after year after year i mean first mm-hmm. we did switch blades then we did preemption then we d- did the buoy uh and dagger and other restrictions um and the length limit uh and then clubs uh which included uh their definition of clubs included knuckles so by getting rid of that we allowed um trench knives uh last year or last session um, and so we're back again uh, to try to get Texas more like everyone thinks Texas ought to be. Um, it's true. These, these and... things don't don't happen, you know. Just because you write a letter, you have to show up. You have to be there. You have to have lobbyists who gets things done. Uh, you have to oftentimes build
0: relationships.
1: Um, this is this is what getting legislation done is all about. It's being on the oh, ground. And...
0: And Todd's done just a magnificent job, really has. Uh, Todd Raffner as your lobbyist and uh, really dedicated. Um, And you can just see it. Because think about the success that knife rights has had in its efforts. It really is astounding. I mean, if if the gun rights movement could do what the knife rights movement has, uh, we would be uh, light years ahead. I mean, it's just astounding.
1: Well... I'm pretty proud of our record. 32 bills uh, passed in 22 states since uh, 2010. Um, uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, we do have an advantage over the gun rights side of things because we're not guns. I mean, you will rarely see any bipartisan legislation. Uh, dealing with firearms. Uh, almost all our bills pass, as we've discussed with bipartisan support. Um, so that is an advantage. And the fact that we we just keep coming back, that is persistence is uh, a significant part of our effort. Um, and we couldn't do it without the support of folks like you um, and our supporters who, who help fund us uh, I encourage everyone here to check out kniferights.org. Uh, we have a lot of great stuff there, in, including our uh, the, the most recent article uh, by you um, on, you know, what to do if you're arrested. Um, the, the issue of uh, uh, what we call the aftermath of self-defense, what to do and what not to do. Um, that's a great article, I mean, for anyone, not just knife owners, but firearms owners too. It goes step by step what you have to do if, if you've used uh, any sort of weapon, including your fists in self-defense.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Doug, and I really want our folks to know these things because that's how we uh, stop our uh, honest knife owners from becoming turned into criminals by uh, the system. And if you know these laws, you can protect yourself. And um, it makes a big difference to understand it because there's a lot of misconceptions. And a lot of the misconception comes from television and movies and they show things all the time that are mishandling of firearms and knives and uh, misunderstandings. Sometimes I think it's done purposely as to individuals' rights and what the laws are, but I, I was wondering how bad do you think the threat is from the United Kingdom because they are so anti-knife. They've gone to such absurd lengths with what they do in the UK uh, and yet here you've been able to turn turn it around and gain freedom, whereas in the UK they've just lost freedom. What are your thoughts on on what's happening over there? I know you have your hands full in America, but we can't ig- ignore what's going on in other parts of the world.
1: You know, it, it. I get asked this question a lot from people in other countries. You know, can can we duplicate what you're doing there? Mm. And 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 there are significant uh, structural, political, and cultural issues that they have to deal with that are. 180 degrees out from what we do i mean we are uh extraordinarily lucky to live in a country where our sort of advocacy is not only uh allowed but encouraged in many respects um and when you look at what other countries have to deal with um it's very difficult um we have 50 states. The states have a significant degree of autonomy in the law, uh, which allows us to operate in the states and get rid of these bans um, by educating legislatures and uh, bringing them into uh, an understanding that these are just tools; that there is nothing evil about them. Um, in other other countries, there's there's a, a very different culture, both about the idea of freedom, uh, the idea of weapons carry. You know, the Second Amendment is unique in the United States. Uh, we need to continue to work to protect it, because there are a lot of people who want to take our Second Amendment rights away. Uh, I like to think that one of the things that that knife rights does is uh, we introduce the Second Amendment to a lot of people who aren't gun owners who don't really think of the Second Amendment as their Second Amendment. Uh, and when we show up and start discussing knife rights and start discussing protecting their rights as a Second Amendment right, uh, we're, we're turning people on to the Second Amendment that we're either sometimes against Second Amendment rights, or at may have been neutral on the issue, Uh, and suddenly it's their Second Amendment, uh, because that's an important foundation to what knife rights is about. If you look at our logo, it says essential tools and essential rights, and they're both a part of why it's so important to fight for our knife rights.
0: It's true. Many people that are interested in knives are not necessarily... um... Uh, aficionados of firearms and yet we often take for granted that they would be but really it's not the case and this is for many of those folks their first exposure to second amendment rights and the idea that you have a right to your knife and how that right also is a right to a gun and it uh, it's helpful to expand the individual's perceptions uh, and, and their desires to maintain our rights. Because, unfortunately, our education system doesn't instill that, at least not like it used to. So we're out there uh, getting people to understand and appreciate their rights, and knife rights is uh, is a critical part and often a gateway, a gateway, to understanding one's rights and so many people are familiar with knives and have had experience with knives either from kitchen knives or pocket knives as a as a kid even though they've had no experience with guns and it becomes more relatable and it helps to enforce and expand all our rights so it's really a great thing and i'm I'm wondering, uh, in your experience, what state do you think has the strangest knife laws? What would strangest. you say? <laughs> the strangest. The strangest I, knife. I can tell you, I think, I'll just give you my view. I think California has the wackiest knife laws of any state. I mean, they ban things that don't even exist.
1: Well, they do. Um, and then yeah. there's New Jersey, which makes mm. all of their knife State knife that's a violations good point. felonies. Correct. Uh, the on, the only state that does that. Um California's
0: now let's repeat that's got its New, little bit of re- This weirdness. is important. New Jersey's the only state that makes all the knife laws felonies. Isn't that great? That's a real badge of honor there for New Jersey, let me tell you. Uh,
1: It it goes along with all of New Jersey's other badges of honor. Right. Oh, they have so many. Or dishonor, depending upon how you look at it. It's
0: amazing. Now, California, one thing I remember when I was researching in, they banned what's called an air gauge knife. And the amazing thing about it is I could not find a single example of anywhere not in not online not any friend not through all our connections in the knife world there is no such thing as an air gauge knife which is supposedly a knife that is made out of an air gauge whatever it's insanity they ban something that doesn't even exist i've never even seen one example
1: well, yet it there's is in california
0: a yeah someone must have heard a <laughs> myth or a rumor <laughs> that such a thing existed and they immediately decided they better ban it you know it's crazy absolutely but uh and, they, and yet yeah. when
1: you compare california's knife laws as wacky as they are yeah. um, it it's certainly not the worst state in the nation uh in terms of what you can and cannot carry i mean there there are many worse states um new jersey in, included um that outright bans switchblades. I mean, it, California does not outright ban switchblades. It it restricts the carry of switchblades to under two inches, um, but uh, and you can open carry pretty much anything in uh, in California, yeah. other than than a switchblade or a gravity knife over yeah. two inches. I, I, um, I would definitely
0: give the prize to New Jersey as the worst. Uh, up there. I mean, really, it is astounding. And I mean, in New Jersey, you're not allowed to preemptively arm yourself with any weapon upon leaving your home. Nothing. You can't preemptively arm yourself with a knife or anything. New Jersey has determined when it comes to self-defense, when you leave your home, that you're to be a victim, not a defender. Not allowed to be a defender. And that's the current structure of Jersey's law. So it applies to all knives as well. And then there's knives in Jersey that are contraband per se, but then even just an ordinary pocket knife, if you have put that in your pocket when you leave your house and your intention is you might defend yourself with it, you're committing a felony when you do that. So, yeah, I think New Jersey would be the hard state to beat for being the worst. But... Doug, his knife rights keeps up the fight. Hopefully one day we'll even see New Jersey change. I want to thank you very much for being on the show. And I just want to My pleasure. tell folks, uh, please keep a fellow gun owner from becoming a law-abiding criminal. Tell them to listen to Gun Lawyer Radio and to subscribe and rate us. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals.